0: From Beyond the Outer Rim Holomag, I'm Lana Slock, and you're listening to Beings of the Galaxy. Where do you come from? And I don't just mean your home world. I mean your ancestry. I mean the people you're descended from, their culture. I mean the reason you look the way you do. Who were the people Who lived on your home world, thousands of years before you did? Who colonized it? Can you answer these questions? I couldn't. I didn't even think they were questions that needed to be asked when I was young. I was born on Crastily to two hard-working merchants. They taught me about our culture, why we celebrate certain holidays, and so on. but everything was rather superficial. Still, I never once thought maybe I should look deeper, dig under the surface to find out why we did what we did and who these traditions actually came from. One of the most popular tourist attractions in Athenial City is our Museum of Natural History. Often, while I was in school, We'd take trips there. But as a kid, I didn't appreciate the museum as I do now. Rather than read each description thoroughly and learn about my ancestors and our world's history, I would race to the children's section to play with the interactive exhibits. Back then, my history was all about playtime and games. Never once did it cross my mind, the exhibits I played in, the play dolls and play food and play clothing, that this was how people on Crastley once lived. How my people once lived. How I might have lived. Had life dictated... I'd be born at a different time. I'm ashamed to admit it, but for someone so in love with stories, I had no interest in the stories of my ancestors. I thought I knew everything I needed to know about where I came from. I heard all the stories told during holidays, how we descended an ancient people called the Calicoans, how we cooked our food the way they did, how we adopted words from their native language. But it wasn't until last year when that all changed, when it was revealed that the Museum of Natural History, the very place dedicated to upholding our history, had been built on ancient Calicoan land. Our city built to erase an atrocity committed in the very heart of our world. As the news broke out, many of us were filled with anger that such an injustice could be committed on Crastoli, on our peaceful, prosperous world. Not here. Our ancestors couldn't. In our frustration the Crostillian net became a sacred space for the voices of activists. These brave souls who had once been left to shout into the void where none of us listened, now had the ear of Crostily. They showed us what we had all turned a blind eye to. And the reality devastated me. I took some time to learn my history to learn where, really where, I came from. I learned how the Calicoans had lived in peace on Crastoli until off-worlders came in and colonized the land. I learned how they had been wiped out, their history, their voices silenced, to pave the way for the newcomers who made Crastily their home. My history, the one I had dismissed so easily as a child, was riddled with pain and persecution. The very realization brought me to tears. I felt as if my eyes had been opened to see a dark shadow covering our world one I had never seen before. I longed to find others who shared my pain, others who had seen the shadow and desired to bring light to cast it out. I sought out friends and family, asking them to join me on the journey of reconciliation. But time and time again, I was met with excuses and refusals. I thought I'd be on this path with others, but instead, I found myself alone. Angry and alone. Betrayed. This lonely path took me back to our museum of natural history. With all I had learned, I knew I could appreciate the history in those hallowed halls. In a way... I was never able to when I was a child. And so I returned with fresh eyes and an open mind, with a heart ready to accept and learn. As I wandered through the museum, I happened upon the mythology exhibit. In the corner of the exhibit was the children's area. A curved chair-like stool Sat in the corner, and seated upon it was a man, a storyteller, one of the final people descended directly from the ancient Calicoans. Children surrounded him, their jaws open in wonder as they took in the story he told. As soon as he finished, they cheered wildly. The children then wandered off with parents to other parts of the exhibit, but I lingered, walking up to the man. He looked at me with a knowing smile. You wish to hear a story, he said. I nodded. He gestured for me to sit at his feet, a sign of respect within the Calicoan community.
1: And then he began. I am Elder Kenboa, and you have come to hear a great story. The most powerful of stories. One of our people. One of our history. One of the power of love. We are the great Kelly Cohens, and we welcome you to our home. There are many stories I can share with you, but you, yes, I sense something different about you. You've come hungry for knowledge. You carry a great purpose, but also I see... Yes, you carry a great pain and great anger for those who did you wrong, do you not? This pain will steal your purpose. You must learn to replace it with mysterious love. I will teach you how through the story of Gwabuchel. The Water Mother Long ago, there was nothing but the gods. They lived in the Sea of Stars. Their lives full of chaos as they trapezed across the galaxy, doing as they pleased. Not a care in the universe. But one goddess, Guabishel, felt a sense of wrong, of injustice committed by the gods. Why should they keep this power only for themselves and not share it with others in need? Her brothers and sisters mocked her. Power was meant for taking and keeping, not sharing. It was against their nature to be selfless to be different. But Guabisho decided to act on her feelings, and so she left home, searching the galaxy for a way to share her power. She found a world covered in water. Guabisho knew immediately this was the place for a beautiful beginning. She went to the world, diving deep in its depths, and in the water she breathed life. Stars danced from her hands and feet, lighting up the dark sea. The power spread out and brought forth life. The ground sprang up from the water giving birth to plants and animals, and most importantly, the Calicoans, our ancestors. Seeing the beauty of her creation, Guabishol decided to stay and protect it from the world, to guard it from all who would try to harm it. To do so, she gifted the Calicoans a pool of her power at the center of the island to sustain the land and the beings who lived there. As long as it was left undisturbed, the Calicoans would live in perfect balance. And for thousands of years, they did. But peace is fragile. And it did not last. Guabishel had a brother called Lithero, who delighted in mischief and chaos. He found great joy in traveling to different worlds and wreaking havoc on the beings who lived there. He'd stir up wars and cause natural disasters for no other reason than to see the lesser beings in pain. One day, Lithril happened upon an ocean paradise, Calicoa. He plotted the chaos he would inflict on this world. Perhaps he'd send the largest wave the galaxy had ever seen to destroy the islands. Or maybe he'd create a ferocious beast to devour everything in sight. Before Lithro could act on any of his evil plans, Guabisho appeared to him. The god was shocked to see his long-lost sister. What was she doing on this primitive world? Guabisho explained that Kalikoa was her creation. It existed because she decided to share her power. Guabishel grew excited as she tried to convince her brother of all the great things the gods could do in the galaxy if they would only share their power rather than hold on to it. But hearing her speak, Lithril grew angry. He could not understand why Guabishel was so adamant about protecting this world. The Calicoans were to be ruled rather than cared for and loved. But Guabishel stood strong. She would do everything in her power to protect Calicoa from him. It became clear to Lithriel that Gwabuchel had chosen the lesser beings over her own family. Well, he would make sure that she understood her mistake. He would prove to her the Calicoans were only good for being dominated. Then when she saw the truth, she would let Lithriel unleash chaos on Calicoa. Lithriel transformed himself into a wasporealium. In his slimy state, he slithered to a village of Calicoans, and he watched, waiting for the right moment. Three days passed until he spotted two young lovers steal into the forest. Lithril followed them. The lovers made their way to a secret spot at the edge of a glittering waterfall. There, they lamented the need to hide their love. The two came from very different families. Trenton from the chief's family, and Rether from a poor family, servants to the chief. Their love was forbidden, and yet they could not keep away from each other. Lithril knew they would be the perfect tool for his deception. Lithril transformed himself into the form of a wandering Calicoan. He approached the lovers, explaining to them that if they were to drink from the pool of Guabasho, they would be granted that which they both desired most, true love. The lovers opposed Lithriel at first. Guabusho had gifted them the sacred pool and they were never to touch it, for it kept the island at balance. To defile it would be a crime. But Lithriel countered, if Guabasho truly loved them, why would she keep all the power to herself Didn't she want to share with those she loved? The lovers, understanding Lithro's logic, decided to trust the strange Calicoan, and so they journeyed together to the sacred pool at the center of the island. The young lovers both dipped cupped hands into the pool and drank. But as soon as the water touched their lips, the world turned dark and stormy. They had defiled the pool... As a result, the island would die. Terrified, the young lovers raced back to the village, finding it in chaos and disarray. Fights had broken out, a storm raged overhead. The village would be destroyed, all because the lovers had listened to Lithriel. Proud of his handiwork, Lithriel returned to the sky to brag to a distraught Guabusho. Lithriel was right. Guabusho was wrong. The Calicoans and all beings across the galaxy were nothing but selfish, stupid children who deserved to be ruled. But Guabusho shook her head. She had seen something different that Lithriel hadn't. Where Lithriel had seen selfishness, Guabusho saw desperation. Two beings who loved each other so deeply, they were willing to risk anything to be together. It wasn't them, but the others who were selfish and cruel for keeping the lovers separated. They did not know how to love unconditionally, and they needed a teacher to show them how. Guabusho would be that teacher. Lithro watched in shock as Guabusho descended to the pool. She stepped into the water, submerging completely and giving the final piece of herself to the Calicoans. Balance returned, but Guabisho was gone. With peace restored on Calicoa, the lovers led the village to the pool. They knelt before it, giving thanks to Guabisho for her sacrifice. Never again would they let selfishness come before love. They would unconditionally love all beings, especially those undeserving of it, as Guabisho had loved them. Now, young traveler, you have heard my story. You've heard where we come from. There are beings in your life undeserving of your love, are there not? Those who have brought great pain into your life. But the ancient Calicoans, they must have caused great pain to the Water Mother, yes? And despite this, she sacrificed for them. Perhaps this, then, is the lesson, young traveler. To unconditionally love those undeserving of it may be the act to restore a balance the galaxy desperately needs. So go forth and bring balance. It is the purpose of all beings. Balance.
0: That's what my soul had been missing. What my spirit was craving. Balance. As I dug into our past and learned about our history... I uncovered tremendous pain, one that affected me greatly. What hurt the most, however, was that I often felt like I was the only one facing this pain. It was the right thing to do, to confront our dark history, wasn't it? Why then wouldn't others, my friends and family, why wouldn't they be brave, and courageous as I had been. I felt wounded by their apathy as if their passive acceptance of this dark shadow on our world were a blaster bolt to my back. A betrayal I didn't know they were capable of. It wasn't until listening to Elder Canbo speak that I realized the hurt I carried in my heart and how this hurt had left me unbalanced and angry. Following his story, Elder Kanboa nodded, gave me a small smile, then retreated from the children's area, leaving me alone with my thoughts. To unconditionally love those undeserving of it may be the act to restore a balance the galaxy desperately needs. I've sat with his words for some time now. He spoke of healing the galaxy. And when I first heard him say this, I dismissed him. The galaxy is a large place. How can one person bring balance to it all? But as I continued thinking about what he said, letting the words speak to my hurting heart, I realized this. To heal the galaxy with mysterious love is not a grand task. It's quite simple, actually. It's kindness to those unkind to you. It's extending compassion to the indifferent and the callous. It's accepting the outsider and welcoming the stranger, showing love unconditionally. Little by little, if we can do this, we can bring balance where there is imbalance. Not just in the galaxy, but in our own hearts. Thanks for joining me, Lana Slock, your host for another episode of Beings of the Galaxy, a Beyond the Outer Rim Holomag production bringing you the stories of the everyday people who make up our galaxy far, far away. We'll see you next time.